Today, um, the episode of Trust is My Home is very special. I am finally, for the first time ever, sitting down with my two brothers and having a conversation about a story that connected all three of us in a deep way to God's providential care. And so uh, I hope that this is a much a blessing to you as it was to me to share and really listen to my brothers as they shared part of their their story that we shared together. Welcome to Trust is My Home, a weekly podcast about living a covenant of trust with the Father. From Loretto House here in Austin, Texas to your own home, this podcast seeks to lay down and enflesh the foundation of trust that becomes the true rock on which to build a home. Each week we will talk about realigning our lives toward the Father. What does it mean to trust Him? If God is a good Father and we believe that, how does that change the way we live our lives? We'll dig deep into the hidden treasures of the hearts of mothers and fathers who are choosing to live radical trust in God and speak honestly about the challenges and the testimonies that come from such a life. This is a podcast from this home to your homes meant to reach into the sometimes lonely struggles to weave encouragement, joy, and community into your day. So whether you're driving, cleaning, folding, or just stopping to listen, welcome to Trust is My Home. So I'm beginning this, but that doesn't mean I'm in charge. I'm just, <laughs> I just say that right now I'm, I'm joined by uh, <clears throat> my brothers, Father Nathan and Father Joshua, and, um, but as, at and, the same time, a guest. And, and I am... Uh... I am joined also by Father Joshua and by my sister Esther. Some of you uh, know her. Uh, we're doing this. Uh, uh, the YouTubers call this a uh, crossover. Right. <laughs> it's so great to have you both today. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have you, but <laughs> right. Well, we are all each other's guests here. Yes, and uh, and most of all, we're the guests. We're the guests. Of our undisclosed guests at this undisclosed location. Yeah. So, uh, as as this is a crossover of both Trust is My Home and um, St. Peter and Volo podcast. St. Peter and Volo podcast. We thought we'd talk about something that we all love, which is hockey. I mean, so no. <laughs> <laughs> Take off, eh? Yeah. Yeah, this is amazing. Patrick McCormick of Relevant Radio has been wanting to do this forever. But now we're doing it without him. So a little shout out to Patrick. Yes. <laughs> right. So this is a... Here's to all those people on the radio stations. <laughs> Here's to you. So today, we don't actually know what we're going to talk about, do we? No. But it's it's beautiful to have... I think it's, it's, it's really great to have three casuals. Three of us, in some ways, were, uh, were joined by uh, circumstances, of course. Circumstances of birth, same family. But in a very particular way, we were joined by uh, an experience which was shaped us and our, our destiny. And that was, of course, um, a tremendous moment of, of Holocaust, where we were the, the three that were, that were home uh, right. when, when our house uh, caught fire, where there was an explosion. And, and we, you know, but it, it, there was a moment, I think, of where sort of a bomb, three of us, we didn't know what was going to happen Archie as we tank. had this 80-pound propane tank on its side 
12 foot column of fire. I did think it was 75 pounds, but maybe it was 80. I think it was Probably. a 100 pound propane tank. It's <laughs> typical how it's referred to. You know, it's funny it. that you're, you're saying like, that because... I usually on the high number. I don't know It's, why. it's yes. funny that you're saying that because I, I thought that that's what we're supposed to do is tell the story of... Um, the fire. Of the fire. By the fire. Ma- March 18th, 1997. Yeah. The month before we enter into the Catholic Church, are conditionally baptized. March 30th. It was days before. March, it was March days before. Yeah, we were. It, it, March 30th, baptismal records will show. Yes. Latitude <laughs> 56.7. So it was the day after. I, I feel like I need to start part of the story and then like. Yeah, you, you start and then we'll make necessary corrections. Because I think that um, part of it, you know, be, I had my birthday on the 17th of March. That's right. That's where this is all begins. And it all began with a pity party. And um, when you, I was 14 years old, and I wanted the world to be about me. And there's probably no act of love that would have been enough to kind of quench that hunger. Like, oh, this is supposed to be about me this day. It's my birthday. I want to be special. And I remember walking into, we were about a mile out of town, Braymont Lake. And walking into town that day hoping that somebody would just know how special I was and that was my birthday and there was going to fill this void in my heart and walking back unsatisfied and then really in a deep pity party and my brother I think Joshua and David they took the GT the sled and mm-hmm. on the ice they wrote happy birthday Patsy it's a good sled and uh, I just kind of chose to ignore it because I didn't want to see a good thing I had already decided that it was already too late to receive something good. You know, when you get so far into self-pity. Yeah, where sorrow was a license and then you love it. Yeah, That's it's like, and my dad is. asked me if I wanted some food. <laughs> and like I was like, Mary no, Mag- my whole life is over. I'm going to bed. Like, it was like Mary Magdalene in the gospel today. She was like... Inconsolable? Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of hmm. went to bed in a sense of really deep self-pity. and But like a classic teenager, it didn't really carry over the next day. And that's where we can begin. In that day, we had uh, about two hours of schoolwork, maybe an hour and a half. Woke up with a good bowl of oatmeal, porridge, as mm-hmm. some of my people call it. Exactly. Sweet, nourishing gruel. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then we decided we had always, you know, we had a really good, we always had good recesses. We had a good recess every, we had two recesses each day during our schoolwork. Because mm-hmm. we were schooling at home during that time. Yeah, we're living at a place without electricity. And uh, and our parents are teaching us at home. This is also the same place where we learned the Catholic faith. Uh, we were learning the Catholic faith via Catholic Answers by the Firelight. Uh, we didn't do a formal RCIA, and so we learned the, the faith through reading and through our parents teaching us and other things. But yeah. And I also I remember reading um, Wayne Weibel's book on the Jugori. Mom gave me that book, and I wrote in my diary one thing, one sentence. I will be a nun. I dressed up as a sister that Halloween and fell because I was wearing my air cadet boots. <laughs> I fell the ice so many times walking around because there's absolutely no traction. That was the same year I dressed up as a priest and Father Nathan was Charlie Chainsaw. <laughs> Charlie Chainsaw, I think is whatever this. No, it's Mr. Bean. Mr. Bean. Let Lauren even tell his own story here. That, like, what I are never, you even saying? Revisionist I don't even know how history. you would dress up as Mr. Bean. You had a little cardboard car. Remember that? 
It was like a little cardboard. I don't have no idea who you were for Halloween. Father yeah. Joshua just makes up stories just yeah. so everyone is aware. <laughs> you're you're outgoing. <laughs> but yeah, I don't I don't remember what I dressed up for Halloween. Anyway, but, so yeah, here back, we were. So March 18th, back March 18th. Back to March 18th, we went out. We were outside. we were sledding on we, the hill behind time. our behind our. We're playing home King of the Hill and Blueberry Hill. Blueberry Hill because the blueberries grow wild there, and, and we spring them. Oh. Delicious. And we were playing King of the Hill, which is like you throw. We have had two teams, and we were pushing each other down because that's what King of the Hill is. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And David, our younger brother, youngest brother, um, we pushed him down, and I, and I noticed he didn't get up right away. He's like, "Wait, wait, David isn't getting up." And he turned around, and he had a stick in his eye because he fell into a frozen branch. Yeah, he had a, like yeah. a, a small stick right uh, from like an. I pulled it out actually. Yeah. yeah. Stick. So then, didn't you run to mom and dad? Because they went out to have tea at the, the local gas station, and you ran to tell them about David's eye. Do you remember that? I don't remember going there at all. I don't remember this part of it. Really? All I remember is eventually uh, mom took David to the, uh, to the clinic yep. in South End, which is about an hour north. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that left the three of us home. We thought dad Nick, was gone too. We thought dad was gone. Dad was actually... Uh, who was actually taking a course at the school. So uh, so I actually remember you, when that happened, running to mom and dad who were having tea at the gas station and then mom taking David, but maybe that's a memory to me. So we all got back. After that happened to David, we all got back to the house. And as, you know, when you have like a, what is that called? Adrenaline rush mm-hmm. after it, you get kind of hungry. Right. Because we're ready to eat something. We're ready to eat. And Dad had just filled up the propane tank, mm-hmm. and uh, with with propane, and connected it to the stove. And the propane tank had to be inside because in the in the extreme cold of winter, the propane wasn't getting to the stove. So we had a full range and oven, which was which was uh, operated by propane. And so we were lighting the pilot lights on the stove to cook some meat, some food. And. Uh, do you remember, do we actually, I feel like I, I, I lit the propane, ma- but I don't know if that's true. Does anybody want to claim that? Like, I have yes. this image I'm of I'm trying like, to figure out what we're trying to make. I think we're trying to make Bannock, right? No. I... Uh, Go ahead. So Bannock is, is, Bannock is, is a bread that they make in Northern Canada. It's very simple, lard and salt and, and yeast. And it's like a, but I thought like we were hungry, so sure. we were going to make some Bannock. Mm-hmm. It's very simple. And it was like, you had it with jam. Oh my gosh, Super Save, uh, or whatever. <laughs> whatever the Canadian version of uh, Super Save, of Costco is, uh, Superstore. Yep. Canadian Superstore. President's Choice, like grape je- jelly and Bannock. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. And Bannock is like scones. It's like a, it's like a scone sort of thing. It's, it's, uh, yeah. Anyways, so I, since I would have been doing the cooking, since I was the woman in this story. Sure. I'm guessing that I also... <laughs> lit the pilot light we were both we were side by side lighting the uh, ranges that makes sense and so we were who was lighting whichever one yeah who knows right who knows I whose just fire the, got caught perhaps it was i just remember the con, fire following the cord to the <laughs> to the tank and just torching starting like it would just follow like like a snake what? The, Nope. Yeah, so the, the propane was leaking from the top of the yeah. propane tank yeah. because the valve wasn't all the way open. Which, uh, side note, if you were operating propane tanks, uh, 
turn it all the way on or all the way off. Don't don't leave it halfway because hmm. sometimes they can be defective and leak uh, halfway through the threading. Through the, the threading, yeah. exactly. So the the spark that was on the that was on that we were lighting the stove caught to the top of the propane tank. The propane tank suddenly caught on fire, and the fire immediately engulfed the valve where you turn it off. Yes. So then how do you get rid of a fire that is coming from the top of a propane tank? Holy water. Holy water was your first <laughs> was your first I just remember saying Yeah, being the most grab pious. grab the holy water, grab the holy water. And I remember it mm -hmm. was like a Tupperware container with the forest green lid and mm -hmm. it said holy water on it. Right. And I remember somebody handed it to me and I threw it on the fire because I thought we'd give God a chance for a miracle here. We didn't right. really fully understand like Sacramento's like visible sign and visible reality. We weren't quite there. No, but I just felt that this was, was going to be... It's, it's holy water. It was, it's a water fire. That, it was water that our dad got from the church about 45 kilometers away Yeah. in the south end. And he had got it and he brought it back. It's holy water. I didn't understand what it was, but I knew it did something. It said holy water. <laughs> what else do you know? There's all the ingredients right in, right on the bottle. <laughs> I just remember that I felt like very called to throw it on the fire, and I asked for it. I threw it on the fire, and it did nothing. And apparently, it did nothing. Apparently, so you don't throw water on a chemical fire. Apparently not. Does it? <laughs> well, yeah, on a gas fire, you don't throw water because uh, because the gas is coming up very quickly, and you have to completely smother a gas fire. So the next thing we did was throw this wool blanket, gray wool blanket, probably Canada military issue blanket over top the fire. Mm -hmm. And you were uh, kind of leading the charge by this time. I kind of, of in my attempt, and I remember stepping back and thinking, I'll just say instructions from here. <laughs> <laughs> and and then and so that I I don't remember. I, I remember it didn't work. Yeah. Then you decided to put the chain around and pull the tank up. Well, the next thing, we had the big, big vat of water on top of the wood stove. Okay. Which we always kept for heating water. Exactly. So we'd always have hot water, as long as the fire was on, which is what heating at our house. We had this thing, so we threw that on, and it we threw it on, but it did not go out. It was Even that was not enough water to put out a propane fire. So we have fire from the top of the valve that was increasing as time was going on it was. and it and it went to the top of the the roof the roof i remember it, watching the, the whole ceiling. grow in the it roof it was beginning thing. to melt like it was beginning to burn the like the mint green cupboards i remember that sure i just yeah, remember yeah, this yeah. hole in the roof thinking oh mom's not gonna like that hole yeah see the tiles on the roof yep. starting to turn brown yep. and and so there's this column of fire and that's when we threw grabbed a chain Threw it around the top of the propane tank. But where do we get the chain? Because this is where I was. Because I was at this point, I was thinking about how to write the press release. No. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, Father Nathan at this point was the one like did, strategically. Was it the chain from from a dog? Yeah, because we, we had we have dogs. We had thirteen dogs at this time, mm -hmm. and and we had uh, somehow we got one of the dogs from the chains from outside. I may have said someone grab the chain from outside. Yeah. Well, we're trying to figure this out. I grabbed the chain, put it on the top of the propane tank, and was trying to get the propane, propane tank out of the kitchen. I remember that. Because the house was going to burn. I yeah. became aware that the tank was, that propane is an explosive gas and it's going to blow up. Uh, I think I expressed my concern at some point. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 
Yeah. So I just remember that there was Barney a general was expression taking, of concern. There, there was concern by all. Um, so I just all remember in favor taking, <laughs> that this is a concern. This is when we decided to have a community meeting to talk about what we should do next. No, um, so Father Nathan was leaving the charge at this point, and he was pulling, trying to pull the tank out, and the tank fell down. I was burning the linoleum. The linoleum was buckling, and I was kind it's, of in this running in and out of the house, really not being helpful, but. And finally, I said, we need to go. It's going to blow. It's going to blow. Father Joshua, mm-hmm. I don't know what he was doing. So, so. I, I can see this all happening. I'm saying, we have to leave. We have to leave. Because remember, I was expressing like like a serious sense of like duty. Like, we have to get out of the house because this thing's going to blow up. And, but you are determined to get the tank out of the house. And I remember that you had taken the chain, which was I think was tied to one of our dog's muspices. No, not yet. Tied, tied to a dog. Well, you had taken My the chain. My dog mus- muspices and, and are already outside. The tank is now, it was standing upright. But it was now turned on its side. Yep. So because now, I pulled it down with the chain. Yep. Right. So now it's this. on its side. And as it was on its side, it seemed that, that the column of fire seemed to have increased. It and did. As that, yes. as that column of fire increased, it, it was probably like probably. <laughs> so it would go out like about two or three feet. Mm-hmm. And then it would take an L turn up, right? Yeah. Because fire rise. So it was like it, the pressure would take it out. But as so, it was on the, the floor. The reason, the reason is because there's a valve. There's a valve in propane tanks, a safety valve. To increase the flow so that it doesn't blow up. Good point. So that's that's what I've heard, and I assume yeah, that's what was sense. happening. And because it was the flow of fire was increasing, it was this propane tank lying on the kitchen floor, melting the linoleum and reaching up to the ceiling. Yes, and I was outside by this time. I can still see the bubbling black. Linoleum. I was outside looking in and watching the fire, and I was saying it's time to we have to go, we have to go, and that's when I on. Tied That's dog. right. That's correct. The that was the last thing we did before. Yeah, tied the dog. Yeah. We ran. So I didn't have any oh, jacket wait. on. What, what happened? We go outside, and we can still see in some of the windows the blackening of the windows. Right. So this is so this is the the decision to leave the house. I breathed in some of the linoleum fumes, and I still feel those in my lungs sometimes. Yeah. And I we walked out. I didn't I didn't have shoes on. Uh, I don't know. No, you didn't have, shoes? I had shoes, but I didn't have a jacket on. I just had my overalls with a t-shirt. And then, yeah, then we were all standing outside for a moment. There was that moment we're looking at the, through the yes. kitchen window. Yep. That black smoke, the flicker of fire in the window, which was now not coming from propane tank, but because the room was on fire. We had like kerosene lamps. We had other small protein we, things. Like we had like a bomb, lamps. basically. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so there's a this is a, a lot. lot of fuel in that house. It's a small house too. Right, and the the house itself was like tinder. It's true. The house is in a beautiful location, by the way. It's by this amazing river, which meets a lake. And I remember Who even when we were in the house, we could see like there'd be times on a rainy day you'd see. Our, remember the Duck Herald? You'd see the Duck Herald outside. <laughs> That's right. Oh, it was so <laughs> beautiful. It was one of the most beautiful spots. So was, My God, George actually scared the, a wolf away from on the, yeah. on the ice. If there were ever a place for a house though that you thought was idyllic. This was it. It was like yeah. you've got this this Crown little like out, ex- you've got this beautiful area, and the, the can... and the hill going up. Oh, so that oh. that's the hill that we're sledding on. But you go behind, you can see the rapids so coming awesome. down, and it's it just like great. all wilderness, just absolutely beautiful wilderness. So we're out standing outside, and then we decided we we started to, to run, and you guys went before me because I, I caught up. I caught up. I was ahead. I was you. the first person. And I was running. I unhooked Muskosis and I ran down the trail, across the frozen lake, up the hill, to the road. And I was the first person in, in the running line. Yeah, so mm-hmm. This is March 18th. So in, in March 18th, there's 
this river. It's a quite a large bay. It's the only thing in the river, but there's still a thick amount of ice, and we walk across that river. Right. It's a short, right short cut. Yeah. Exactly. And I was running in my sock feet, and I didn't feel the cold at all. No, I actually was marveling at how amazing, like, my energy. I, I was, like, reflective of the, like, wow, adrenaline is awesome. <laughs> like, I remember, so I got to the top of the hill, like, past the rapids, up the hill. As soon as I got to the top of the hill, boom! Like, the ground shook. Like, it yeah. shook like a bomb went off. And I remember thinking, our house just blew up. Yeah. And um, over the trees... Suddenly, this billowing black mushroom cloud. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, and, I shouldn't say that, but I mean, was, yeah. In retrospect, yes. <laughs> and that's yeah, and that's when it was like it kind of hit. <laughs> like, <laughs> Literally, <laughs> our, our house blew up, and we're on now on the gravel road, and, and, and we're about ready. one kilometer, which is about you know maybe a mile, American half audience, a about half a mile. Yeah, essentially. But I remember running, and I was thinking, "Wow, this is how crazy!" I must have some kind of problem, but because I was actually reflecting on how much energy I had, I was like, "Even Ben Johnson can <laughs> beat me now!" Like in my head, I was like, "Wow, I'm running so fast! Even Ben Johnson can't beat me." <laughs> I, I do remember having the feeling when I heard the explosion, and it was like it was, but it was different from the movies, and I was like, I felt a little robbed because. I didn't, it wasn't the way that I expected. Really? I mean, it was it was impressive, but it wasn't like quite like it's not like the slow motion giant. But it it was a nice explosion. I do remember in slow motion mm -hmm. actually. What? I remember like turning my head and like oh wow the house blew up and then running and, and I then, would and reflecting on this beautiful thing that adrenaline gave me, which is the ability to run so fast, which is messed up. Okay, I recognize it. I'm, I'm willing okay. to take free counseling. But this is, but I, I ran and I, I got to the store first, which is like the little, the only gas so station I, store. Yeah, so we got to the gravel road. Yeah. And that's when it was no longer fun to run in Zockbeat. Oh, no kidding. And so all of a sudden I'm like doing, ow, 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 oh. ow. And at the same time, like crying like, God, why? Like, <laughs> I don't remember exact words, but it was like, this was just like, the the tragedy of it struck, like, Everything was gone. Yeah, it just everything in our house was gone. Completely. Everything you, everything we knew, yeah. was different all of a sudden. I and was so we got to the store. Of, yeah, I'm just running it. Which yeah. is probably we're all the hero of our I own mean, story. like, <laughs> no, doubt. I don't know. I just, I just remember like thinking, wow, I run, I'm running so fast. <laughs> That's how messed up it was. And I got to the store, but I'm like, okay, we need to be calm. So, so. I, I had a hope. Like, even in the midst of, like, the worst despair, there's always a bit of hope. So, like, at the store, awesome. there is a water truck. Mm-hmm. Oh, thought, yeah. You mm -hmm. know, like, you know, and the water truck delivers water to the various houses. Yeah. The and water thought, truck will they, save they, us. The, the water truck will save us. We'll go to the store and we'll ask Chris, the store owner, to bring the water truck, right? So, I go to the store at first, and I walk in, but I, I forget that I'm not with a jacket. So, I, it, I already look unusual, but I think I'm going to be all cool, like a cool customer. So I walk into the store, and I say, uh, is Chris here? Like, just really calm. And she's like, he's in his office. And then, then I lose it. I'm like, Chris, Chris, our house blew up, the propane tank. And he's like, okay, okay, out of the way. You know, like, he kind of, like, just walks over, he comes outside. 
and he starts up the water truck, but it's warming up. Like, it's taking time to warm up. So it's like, you know, like, it's like not like a quick, like, oh, let's go it's over there like quick. A, it's not the fire truck we all wanted. No. And I remember already in the town, people are calling down to the store. And, like, whoever the person working there was, like, talking in Cree, like, ee yeah, the casual, like the fire. Uh, like they're already talking kind of story. <laughs> a new, a new, a new fire is starting. It's a fire of words, right? <laughs> and it is like it is spreading everywhere. And the three of us are now standing together with this reality. And then we have to call our mom, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is with our brother David, who yeah, had a stick in his eye. Yeah. And so that's what I think you talked to mom. Yeah, I, I remember my part of the conversation. Uh, I talked to her, and she's like, and it's like, Mom, the house blew up. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you're expecting the worst things. You know, you know, people always ask me when I say, like, but kids always ask me, what did what did your mom say? Like, you, like and I had that feeling, like, I'm in so much trouble. Right. Like, how do you even say it? Like this, I don't have a, there's no scale on how much trouble I'm in. <laughs> and, then, and then all she, she was, she was quiet and she's like, was anyone, is everyone okay? And I said, yes. And then she said, I don't know if it was exactly right. I think she was right then. She said, that's okay. We were out of toilet paper and sugar anyway. Which is like, in context of the coronavirus, we now understand what that means. (laughs) (laughs) Like toilet paper is a big deal. (laughs) No, but she so she was she was she was already making a joke about it to lessen my lessen my grief, you know. Right, she's like that classic kind of Scotch, um, the Scot the Scottish kind of humor in the face of tragedy, which is very, and also quintessential Northern, like, humor, which is like, things are so difficult, if you don't have a sense of humor, you're not going to survive. Right, right. So, um, so then the three of us are standing, we didn't, we thought, actually, that our dad had gone with our mom, mm-hmm. but he had not. He was actually at, at the public school doing photocopies or something. No. Really? He was taking a course on forest firefighting. Really? Yeah, and oh. so they were like outside the front of the school, oh, no public kidding. school, and they were saying, and I remember it was crazy Tom, who said, <laughs> who said, hey John, your house is on fire. Oh, funny. And it was as a joke, not realizing mm-hmm. that it was actually the case. Got it. I thought it was like somebody said, oh, it looks like they're burning tires at the radio station. He's like, those aren't tires, but whatever the case is, he came running, he came driving down. Mm-hmm. And uh, also came into the reality of the fact that our house blew up. So when, by the time the fire truck, uh, the, the water. water truck got there, <laughs> there, you could see through the house, is yeah. what I was told. And I, I didn't I never, go back, I never went back for that day. Seven days it burned. Seven days it burned. Yeah, it was it's smoldering. It was smoldering. I mean, yeah. oh, sure, sure, sure. That and actually, if, you, if you, you could actually Google map it, and you can see this hole in the ground... That's part where the house was. Like I've, I've done that before where you... Right. Brave Out Lake, Saskatchewan, you find the exact, like that, that place in the river, like, yep, that's where the house was. Um, yeah. So we had a dog sled team that all the dogs were hiding in their dog houses. They were far away. But we had a dog sled that got melted that was close by the house. Yeah, so the, the explosion blew it away. It went... It 
went down the little slope mm -hmm. onto the lake and it burned down on the lake and all that was left were the plastic tracks on the yeah. snow. So we had we had a chest we had a chest of meat that was outside oh. in the winter. It was like a deep freeze. Oh, it was it wasn't so plugged in. It wasn't plugged in because it's the middle of winter. Yeah. yeah. It's fine. It's full of uh, neck bones. And yes, but I remember some big steaks that were like big pieces of meat that were that were completely charred on the outside and yet still frozen in the middle. <laughs> I just remember that everything was gone except for the cast iron stove and two cast iron pans. Right. The Pyrex pots. The Pyrex uh, cake pans melted over the metal cake pans. Yeah. It was so hot. Our beds, our bed frames melted. I mean, metal, there was... Metal bed frames. Yeah. I mean, basically the house disappeared. I mean, it just was gone. Mm-hmm. Everything was gone. And we did have photographs and things. Now, we still had some some photographs down south, but we had quite a lot but of then, things. So but then the, the generosity of the, of the people in the town, immediately I remember like there were like suddenly bags of clothes, clothes yeah. and coffee and essentials and and somebody gave us this new cabin which old was cabin. old cabin yeah a cabin is like it's like pine logs put together but they were we were all in one one house and yeah we moved into town kind of moved us away from like we were living outside of town and we moved into town but what ended up happening is that a week and a half later we went to Lorange, Saskatchewan, to the St. John Vianney Church. And at that point, we entered into the church. A nice oblate priest. Oh, my father, Father Stang. Mm -hmm. uh, he, uh, the East Vigil, received us into the church. And all, all as a family. Uh, there were seven, seven of us. The two oldest were out of, our, out of the house. But, yeah, I know it was the seven of us. And Naomi, our, one of our sisters. The other sister. The other sister. The other sister. She was at Magdalen College. And no, she, she was no. at all girls school. She was at all girls school. Ruby Academy. Academy. Ruby Academy, exactly. So she was not aware. It was nice of, to hear Father Joshua's histories of things. Yeah. Anyways, she, she was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's so oh, much more fun details. for you. It's so much more fun for you when you tell it. <laughs> uh, so, but here's the, the, the really. The, we're not just telling the story just for the glory of the story. But we kind of are. It is a great story, though. It is a good story. I mean, I might be on the moth with it. Who knows? But no. Um, <laughs> it's a joke. Um, mm -hmm. here's oh, the David, thing is, by the way. David. Oh, yeah. Let's go back to David. So David youngest brother youngest sticking brother his eye. Stick in his eye. The doctor told him, you lucky devil, if it had been a little bit lower, you're, you would have lost your eye. Yeah. Just like, a, he was like, just like a mm -hmm. milli... Yeah. Exactly. So that was, a, that was a, yeah. So, so one of the things that, that, that's part of the story is that I know at least I was not in the state of grace. I was not ready to meet the Lord. I was definitely in a life that was very duplicitous and uh, sinful. I would say that. Um, and and yeah. if I were to die at that day, if I was to die at that day, I would probably still be in fire or according to Dante, maybe ice, you know, but, um, but at this point, it's our life, my life, at least I see this as like my life was preserved and a week and a half later, enter into the life of grace. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe not fully realizing what that life of grace was. And every year that passes from that date, I see even more the divine providence that was exhibited in that. And one of the things that's just really clear to me is that in a way God preserved our lives. I always think of that holy water thrown in the fire and like the, the sacrificial offering, you know, like if you think about 
when Abraham makes a sacrifice and he, and he puts like the, the pigeons and does all these things and, and God consumes the sacrifice, that God consumed the sacrifice. So I'll spare the lives of these three, but I'm going to call them forth later. Like, mm-hmm. I will spare their lives now, but then I'm going to call them to myself. Mm-hmm. And so there's always been this tie or this bond of the three of us that we didn't necessarily choose ourselves, um, but that has been kind of a, a link to the three of us um, all the way through this time. True. I, I really saw, yeah, I, I really saw in mine, like, from my perspective that I so much of my identity like what I prided myself on was little collections of things you know letters letters from girls at at summer camp and Mm. and little collections of like coca-cola memorabilia and whatever other little things and like I, I put so much of myself in there like you know, if someone would ask me about myself, I'd, I'd point to my things. I'd mm. point to what I had or what I'd done. Mm. You know, but all of that was stripped away because it was it was just destroyed. And yet, I was still there. Wow. And so, I, I feel like we all, in a sense, learned poverty in yeah. that moment. Well, we were well taken care of. Where yes. God's providence became so clear in that. Because we were stripped away from all of the, the silly little things that we were holding on to. I think it was really a place where I learned divine providence. That you can trust God in everything because when I saw how God had taken care of us, it was a hard change. I'm not sure what I was attached to other than my dogs, but there was a... There was Your dogs. <laughs> Definitely. They were. You took care of a lot of care of the dog dogs. whisperer. Yes. yes. It's <laughs> yes. true. It's, it's true. true. No, no, no. We received that. No, all right. All right. But I think, you know, it was, it was a change, but it was like... But seeing how we were cared for, and even in the new uh, cabin that we were moved into, the one-room uh, cabin, and I, but I was the, the, there was a sort of contentness that even there, I, I remember being content with the goodness of God, like the warmth of the fire through the pine logs, or the warmth of you know people taking care of us. Like I had a, I had a con- contentment. We had lost everything, but I, I was I felt really con- content. I just remember it being like God's. There's nothing that we can ever encounter that God will not take care of us. Mm-hmm. And that was like Definitely you learned that, yeah. God's, God's goodness. And I think that it really put my pity party the day before in perspective. Like, I was like, well, okay, this is a big candle, you know, like for my... <laughs> a big candle. A big candle, pleasure. you know, like the day after. <laughs> but I, I think that for me, it moved us into the town, but like in a place of poverty. Mm-hmm. And it helped me to feel, because I think the biggest, for me, the biggest longing was a sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. And somehow being in the town, like, but from a place of need, maybe even, or it brought me into a deeper sense of belonging. Um, And uh, I just feel like it was a big turning point in my life. And also, I mean, I think I laugh at myself that I, in the midst of this, like, as I was running, like, marveling, like, wow, this is so cool. (laughs) I'm running fast. I really thought that, like, I'm faster than Ben Johnson, you know, and... I think that there's something really messed up, maybe messed up, but like, wow, I was in the midst of all of this. I, there was a sense of, I remember actually what I fully remember is walking up the hill in town after this happened. So dad was already taking care of things with Chris. Mom had not come back from the clinic yet. And I was walking up and thinking, our house just blew up. And I walked to see Lynette cook. And I remember just thinking, just Kind of like when everything feels lost, but I wasn't lost. Like I felt still like, but I'm still alive. Like, but I'm still here. 
And it wasn't until, um, you know, after we went, we entered into the church, I remember, for some reason, I remember getting a belt. I bought a belt. I don't know why that's a big deal, but I remember that in this. I remember because we went to the laundry, we still had a bag of laundry in the car, and we went to the laundry mat in the laundry the same week that we entered into the church, and I remember um, we were talking about going to confession, and I didn't really know what confession was, so like, do we go to confession before the baptism and confirmation and everything, or after, and it was kind of a blur to me, but when I kind of fully entered into a life of grace, every single time I came around to that, it's like God gave me new vision every single year, a deeper level of what he did, and I think the lesson that I learned is that there are events in our life that we don't fully understand in the moment that God unwraps like a gift every year in a deeper level. Mm-hmm. And I remember being at your um, ordination, both of you were ordained together, and I was at the same time assigned here in Chicago, and I was just so pierced by the reality of what this meant. Um, here were three lives that, for some, like they could have not been in that mm-hmm. moment and God somehow like it was his divine prophet like it's yeah. insane that we stayed in that it's house like there was another in the fire yeah oh wow there was, wow. A, there was a fourth person in the fire and he looked like the son of God yeah so that's great yeah that, I, I, I never thought of that wow Father Joshua one of the images that always comes to mind uh, from this fire was of my, my, my new life I didn't understand baptism. I mean, I, I mean, I thought I, I knew that we'd become Catholic, and and it was, and I didn't know what that meant, but we were going to figure it out. But I remember we got a candle with our baptism, and that was neat because we didn't have electricity in the in the cabin, and somebody had donated uh, National Geographic from 1960 to 1997. It was like every National Geographic, and I and I I loved them all, but I remember like I still every day I think about I mean, every year I think about like how I use my baptismal candle to read the National Geographic. But everything was... <laughs> but wait, there's a beautiful analogy because everything was fascinating to me. I remember like looking at all the adventures of these people sailing around the world in a little ship or whatever, but I was like, the whole world was beautiful in the light of faith. And through the light of faith, I could see that the whole world was... I remember that. It was just, it was like beautiful. I was taking adventures at night, you know, even there were mice crawling around, but like being able to use my baptismal candle to read National Geographic. That mm, was wow. That's great. Yeah, I... I think for me it was just the the lasting impression on me was what was similar to the God's providence over everything, but that that my life was really a gift. Mm-hmm. That that it's it was just a gift to be received, and nothing I could do, nothing I yeah nothing I didn't deserve any of it, uh, and I still don't, you know. But it's still it's just God who. Who, who gives us all good things. I think for me in the fire, there was a duplicity that got burned up. Um, I don't know why I, before my baptism I felt very comfortable with lying. I felt very comfortable with a duplicity. Um, and it was the beginning of breaking through that duplicity. And I can't even imagine now, like, I don't know how I, how I was okay with that. Like, I don't know how it was okay with duplicity. Um, but... There was definitely um, 
I also know, like, God put it in my heart to say, grab the holy water. <laughs> like, it was mm-hmm. so, like, it was almost like, it was the most, like, uh, authoritative thing I said in that whole situation. Like, that's my, that was my moment of authority in the situation. It was like, grab the holy water. After that, I was kind of like a chicken with my head cut off, you know? Mm-hmm. I wasn't necessarily, like, this is what we need to do. I just knew that, and I remember, I'll never forget throwing the water on it. And I don't know why, because it wasn't like I had this great theology of holy water or understanding i just knew like hey if god says like if we're gonna say this is holy water and this is sacramental then i'm gonna like believe it and i'm gonna use it and i think that it taught me in a deeper level that maybe i'm an all or nothing kind of person like either god's what god says is true or it's not like i'm not playing around anymore like and sacramentals are so important for me they're so important for me like they're like so important for me i can't live a life without sacramentals in the sense of I need tangible in my life, you know, I need the tangible of faith, and God showed that to me in a very specific way that has gone to the very core of my being, but also in the sense of, like, even the craziest adventures of life, the craziest moments, I felt God so near that it was almost playful, and that sounds messed up, but it was almost like God was so close to me that I could actually think about, like, wow, I'm running so fast, like, that, it's crazy to me that that I had a playfulness in it because I felt like a trust already in something beyond myself. I think it also really formed a, a trust in our whole family because I, I remember like uh, my girl and my own like fierce independence. Um, you can be back before dark, which in June might as well be midnight. Uh, so like after this episode, I mean being able to explore and go for walks on like for hours in the wilderness and like you have no idea where you are and maybe you're you're walking into places where you've, you've never ever explored and they're, and they're amazing and beautiful but like it's it's something new and it's um but there's like a your parents like our parents learned like they learned this is a moment for them too I think it's like God's in control like mm-hmm. if, if Josh was going to be out for five hours in the middle of the woods of the wilderness of Canada he'll come back home once you know and I we were given great freedom that was freedom, so freedom. Absolutely. we didn't always we didn't always receive that freedom uh I think yeah. so much, so much of the time up there in the wilderness, like a place where I long to go now, just to experience. As a teenager, I, I, I didn't, I had had no appreciation for what I had, and I was given such great freedom, but I chose slavery, slavery to because it was I wanted my own will so so much, you know. Yeah. I wanted to do my own thing, but if I would have accepted. God's will for me, I would have been happy from the beginning. It's true. It's so funny. It's so funny how much know, we fight, how, how we fight, like, the very thing that... Oh, my gosh. Sorry. Yes, yes. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. My sister wrote a, a song. It was, a, it was, like, stuck in this little town. Apparently related to people. Uh, she was like, it was it was a good talent I show. Talent it, was play, it was played on the radio. Yeah. It was stuck in this old town. I'm never going to leave this old town. It was played on NBC? Yep. And if NBC I ever Saskatchewan's leave, Aboriginal radio. I promise you this. I won't forget where I came from. Or this cheesy line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's... The beginnings of a great country music career. <laughs> Darn it. Down the drain. <laughs> Salve Regina. <laughs> um, so, you know, like the beautiful thing is, I wrote one thing in a diary. I'm going to be a nun. And um, I was. 
No, I, I really feel like the, in, the, in a deep sense that God really took our lives. He saved our lives, but then he asked for them back. But he asked for them back in a place of freedom. And, um, but he put his mark on us in a deep way. And on every March 18th, it feels like a day of grace. And this March 18th was a day where we were in quarantine, where we were in shelter in place, and where we were asked to join the rest of the world in something that we were not in control of and uh, to enter into even a deeper mystery and to go towards Easter, kind of quote-unquote having lost many things. But I think that makes us even more able to receive the adventure of what God's doing, to like listen to him. Um, it's like listening to him. Okay, you, you worked even in that situation on that March 18th and brought us to a new life in the church. What, like even now, in this Easter, as we're all sheltering in place, as we're some of us are far away from the sacraments, um, like experiencing them sacraments. The sacraments are still happening, but experiencing them um, in a tangible way, the way we expect to experience them, that's not given. But there, it creates a place of like, okay, God, well, I know you were doing something then, so what are you doing now? Mm-hmm. And almost like instead of just doubting and being fearful, it's like a curiosity. Almost. I'm right. curious about yeah. what God is what doing. What is God doing right now? That's been my constant thought this whole thing. Is it's like a treasure hunt. Yeah. What? What? Sure, there's all this bad, this physical evil happening, but what is God What is God doing in all this? How is he preparing our right. hearts for, for what he wants to, us to receive so that we can then take that and bring it to the world? Yeah. There's always something more. God is either sovereign of this universe or he's not. And we either believe that. So if he's sovereign and and he and he allows a fire to happen, and he allows a complete holocaust, and he allows a tragedy, and it can bring tears. But at the same time, God smites, but he also binds up. He wounds, but his hands give give healing. There's always a newness. And the resurrection is a type of fire. The resurrection is not convenient. Um, it's it's completely fierce. Uh, it's it's the implications are ferocious of the resurrection. It, it absolutely decimates everything that we've ever known. It changes our whole paradigm. And so when, when that happens, when that happens, when, when Christ truly comes into our locked doors and, and appears in our midst, it's, it's not, we're not in control. But I think if we can be like a child and say, well, what's going to happen now? You know, Maybe you'll get a candle and you can read National Geographic. Maybe. That's, that's awesome. I maybe mean, you'll get a whole new wardrobe. <laughs> that's right. You know, maybe maybe you'll end up going to, to Chicago, and and, and become... maybe maybe people with whom you have a contentious relationship will see that you're in need, and the beginning of charity will will be there. That's right. Which is what, you know, definitely. And that, that I've seen that so much in in the last month that people are concerned about others mm. and that concern for others is bringing people out of themselves and it is growing a newfound charity in people because we see the humanity of each other and, and not just you know it's even I think it's even hard for the people who are playing political games to stay in their political games because there's always this this sense that we are in need, that a lot of people are in need, yeah. and that is that's grounding us, and I think that is that's a great good. Oh, I, I sometimes receiving from others is the thing we need the most, and first we have to lose control in order to receive. And that was one of the hard things about, for us, I think, is that 
Caswells are so good about giving, giving all. Like our parents are like, give everything. But all of a sudden, our family's put in an absolute place of need where people gave us so many things we had to receive. And that was a, that was a tremendous grace. And so what is, um, you know, what is God trying to give you and what that, that you're, you're too busy trying to give? You're, like, you're not in control. Like, what if you could be poor? What if you could be as poor as Thomas or as, you know, or, or as poor as Peter? Poor Peter. That would have been really hard, seeing the risen Christ. But, I mean, that's, there's a certain moment where he had to let, let go of that and just receive. So I think in the end of this, sometimes we have to have our whole life shaken up. Maybe it has to even blow up in order for us to receive the one thing that God wants to give us. And I know what he wanted to give me was, he wanted to call me a child of God. And he wanted to imprint on my soul an indelible mark of that. And maybe I had to lose everything in order to receive that. Mm-hmm. But I don't regret it. Not one bit. So you did start the fire. We didn't start the fire. No, God started the fire. And <laughs> it it's like... beginning from the beginning of time, and I'm just here to be... I think the thing I miss the most, honestly, is the sledding hill. It was the best sledding hill I've ever Remember seen. Remember Killer George? Oh, but there, I had like... I had uh, signs from the highway, like little bump signs and like little curves. Oh, it yeah. So, it was the best sledding hill ever. It was like... would have put like... Uh, well, the Joshua took... Took a perfectly good sledding hill and made it an official work zone. Exactly, <laughs> classic, classic movement. Like, let That's me put, it. let me you, put officialness here. Saskatchewan highways bump signs. That's so, that actually is true. Oh man, it's great. added something. Yeah, absolutely. I remember it. Yeah. yeah. Well, so bottom line, I don't know. God can give you the bottom line. We're just giving you the story. You figure out the bottom line. You talk to God about it. The main thing is, exactly. Exactly, man. Exactly. Totally. So uh, let's uh, end with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, most gracious Virgin Mary, that, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, protection implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my Mother, to thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.